big red tractor and the little village. Once upon a time, in a little field, in a happy little village, lived a big red tractor. Every morning during plowing season, the village people, no, not those village people, would come out and start the red tractor. Everyone loved the tractor and the powerful noises it would make. They would cheer for the big red tractor because he would help them through plowing season. The people worked together to move the tractor. Half of the villagers would push from behind, while the other half would pull. They had been doing it this way for many generations. Some days they moved the tractor ten feet. Some days they moved it twenty. They did this for three whole months every year. Because of their hard work, the villagers always managed to plow the field just in time to plant and just before the rainy season. The rains would come to water the field. Then the sun would come out to make the crops grow, and then the people would come out and harvest all the new crops. It was just enough food to feed the entire village. One day, Farmer Dave was cleaning out his attic. To his surprise, he found an old book tucked beneath his great-grandpa's belongings. It was the owner's manual to the big red tractor. This book told about how the tractor was made and all of the great things it could do. Farmer Dave studied the book all night. He was shocked by what he was reading. According to the book, if the big red tractor was running properly, it could plow the whole field in just one day. Early the next morning, Farmer Dave gathered the villagers to tell them the good news, but nobody believed him. There's no way that tractor can move on its own. Some said. One lady said, "It sounds like you're reading a fairy tale." The people laughed at him. This made Farmer Dave very sad. This didn't stop Farmer Dave from believing what he read. Every night, while the other villagers were asleep, Farmer Dave spent time repairing the big red tractor. One night, Farmer Dave fixed the tractor completely. He jumped on the tractor and had so much fun driving it. He ended up plowing the whole field in one night. The next morning, the villagers woke up and were in shock. The whole field had been plowed. It's a miracle, one man said. Maybe aliens came down, said an old woman. No, look over there, a little boy shouted. It was Farmer Dave sleeping on the tractor. It was then that people shouted. He was right. The tractor book is true. The villagers ended up plowing many fields that year, and harvesting way more food than they could ever eat. They had so many leftover boxes of food that they began taking the boxes to other villages where food was scarce. The big red tractor and his little village soon became famous throughout the land. They became known as the most generous and life-giving people in the whole wide world. Big red tractor. I love that story. As you can see, that is a parable about what do you think? Well, the church. So this it's it's a parable about the church. Um, the tractor represents the church, and today, man, it's like we're making a lot of noise as a church. We're good at making noise. We're good at coming in and worshiping. We're good about doing our Sunday thing. 
And it's, it's great and it's wonderful. And we do some good around the world. I mean, we really do. I mean, the church does some good. But doesn't it seem like we should just be doing so much more? Doesn't it seem like, man, the church should be more powerful? Like, it, it, it just it seems like the church should, should have this power source within itself. I mean, within me and you both, I mean, I know I feel this, and I, I, I'm sure that you feel the same way, that, man, I just feel like so much more is available to me as a believer. As I read the, the, as I read the Bible and I look at the stories in Scripture, and I look at the first church in the book of Acts, I see a powerful church. I see a church that's going out and moving. I see a people that's bold and a people that's not afraid of the, the people around them, that, that what they saw and what they knew really moved them and shaped them and, and, and pushed them forward. I saw a church full of power and full of might. I saw a church that knew that they had the power source already in them. They weren't pushing, trying to make things happen. Things just happened because they had a power within them that we seem to now, in today's church, seem to be without. What happened? Where is that power source? Do we still have that power source today? And I want to talk to you today about the power source, about that source of power I want me to be bold like the first century church. As I read these men and women of faith that stood up in, in boldness and preached the gospel, these men and women that stood in the face of adversity and stood firm in their grounding and that didn't give up on their faith, these people that had unshakable faith, that nothing happened to them that would shake their faith not a pandemic. Nothing happened to them that shook their faith. They said, come on, bring it on. I know that I'm secure in Christ. They were not afraid. They were bold. They were not fearful. They had this power to go out, and they performed miracles, and they preached the gospel with power, and, and they moved, and they loved like nobody else loved. There was something about this first church that was so attractional to the world around them that it shifted the world. Today, the church should be more like that. What would happen if the world, if the church in the world was more like that? Could you imagine if we all walked in that same power as the first century church, if we all moved in that direction as, as, as we see in Scripture? What if we could all live bold? What if we could all have that power to see things change and lives transformed. And I want to talk to you today about that power source. That even though we see it in the first century church, we still have that power source available to all believers. And I want to share that with you this morning. And where that power comes, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. And we've been in this series called The Holy Spirit what, who is the Holy Spirit? And so who is the Holy Spirit? We've talked about his roles in our life, but he is also that power source that God promises us. Maybe you don't realize it or not, the Holy Spirit is, is for everyone. I'm going to make that case this morning. We're going to be in a lot of scripture today. This is going to be more of a teaching moment than a preaching moment because we need to understand 
that the Holy Spirit is available to all believers, not just to select few, not just to people in the past, but for everyone. Jesus said in John 14 that, I truly say to you, whoever, this is whoever, in the Greek that's whoever, that's everybody, believes in me will also do the works that I do. Do you, do you think about that? They will also do the works that Jesus does and even greater works than these he will do. Believers do more than just Jesus. He's saying, you're going to do the things that I've done, and you're going to do even greater things that I've done because he's going to do something. He's going to the Father because he's going to the Father. Jesus is telling his disciples in this moment, you're going to do greater things than I've done. You're going to change the world. A power is going to be within you that is unstoppable because I'm going to the Father. He goes, I'm going to the Father, and then something is going to happen. Something is going to happen, and something is going to move on the face of the earth and is going to be in you and is going to empower you. Jesus was going to the Father, and a power was about to be unleashed onto this world. And then you see in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he talks about this power source. And so we're going to discover what that power source is. He says, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is saying, everything in this, in this book, everything in the Old Testament points to me, and it's now be, being fulfilled right in front of your face. Then he opened their minds to understand scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the gospel message right here. This, this little paragraph that Jesus says, this phrase, that he says that you will proclaim of what the things that you have seen, the witness of these things. The first century church was a witness to Christ's death, resurrection, the power that was within him. And that was the message of the first church. And it continues on today. That's the gospel. And he's saying, you're going to be my witness. And he says, and behold, I am sending the promise. Well, what's the promise? What is the promise? We're going to find that out. Of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then Luke continues his conversation with Theophilus. Theophilus was one of his friends, or we're not sure exactly who Theophilus was, but he's continuing this. And Luke is writing to actually in Theophilus in the Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel of Luke is the account of Jesus' ministry on this earth. And then Acts is what happens after Jesus ascends. And so he's writing Theophilus in Acts chapter 1, and he opens up what he just said there. He repeats it again, but then he opens it up a little deeper. And he says, in my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering for many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, which is recorded in Luke. And he says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise 
there's that word again, of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at, you, at this time will you restore the kingdom of heaven? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, for the Father has fixed his own authority on this. But, but listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so what was this power source? It's the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you're going to be filled with power. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. And how was it to come? Through Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. When I go there, someone else is coming to you, the Holy Spirit. He's going, he's going to be there. So how was it to come? Through Jesus Christ. And so how was he going? What was he going to do? What was he going to do? He was going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. And so what was going to happen? They were going to receive power. Why? So they could be a witness. Who was going to receive this promise? Well, in Acts, it's, he's speaking directly to the apostles. And so I want to challenge a belief system that says that the Holy Spirit was just for the first century apostles. And I want to use Scripture to kind of take that out and let it just speak. Let's see what Scripture has to say about that. Because there is a belief that the Holy Spirit outpouring, the baptism of the Spirit, was only for the first century apostles, just for those 12 guys. So let's see what Scripture says in Acts 2, verse 1. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all believers, all the believers, okay, all the believers were, were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says everyone present. Okay, so it wasn't just those 11 apostles or the 12 apostles. It was also all the believers in that gathering, all, all of those disciples. But wait, there's more. Now, we see Peter as this, the Spirit is poured out onto these disciples, he goes out. Everybody's speaking in different languages, proclaiming the words of God, and people are gathering from all over the nations. They're there for the feast, and they see these people speaking in their own language, and they're, what can this mean? What on earth is going on? Uh, how are these ordinary Galilean fishermen? How are these people from, from just Jerusalem and this countryside speaking my own language clearly and speaking about the powers of Christ? And Peter stands up and he gives a defense. And after giving this defense, we see Peter standing there and he gets to this part in verse 38. And Peter said to them, look, you killed Jesus. Pretty bold. The same Jesus that came for, to give you salvation, you killed him. And it says in, in that passage that they were cut to the heart and said, what must we do, Peter? What must we do? And it says in 38, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, there's that word again, promise, is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. 
for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. Everyone. So what was the promise that Jesus talked about in Acts 1? There you go. Somebody's listening. The Holy Spirit. That's the promise. And so how was the Spirit going to be given? This is like, come on, this is elementary stuff. How was the Spirit going to be given? Through the Holy Spirit, through the baptism of Jesus, right? Through Jesus baptizing them. And so I say all of this to show you that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. This power source is available to everyone. It's not just for the apostles and not just for the disciples of the first church, but it's available to everyone. And we receive power through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said in because who does the baptizing? Jesus. Jesus does the baptizing. Jesus does the baptizing. Believers, whether you realize this or not, we, we go through basically three baptisms. Not basically, we, we have three baptisms available. There's the baptism in blood, the baptism in the water, and the baptism in the fire. The baptism in the blood is when we give our life to Christ, we repent, we come to Jesus Christ, we accept his salvation, we are washed in his blood. We are baptized, therefore, in his blood, and we are set free and saved and redeemed and made clean. And our eternity is sealed and delivered. The Holy Spirit then speaks to us and confirms that we are now sons and daughters of God. That is that first baptism that believers experience. The very first one is when they give their life to Christ and they experience that baptism through Jesus' blood. And they, are sanct- and they are set free by that. And then the other baptism is the baptism in water. And that's, that's the one that, that we do symbolically as saying that it's an outward working of what has happened inwardly to us. And so if you've never been baptized in water, I, I, I would challenge you to go ahead and take that step. There's something powerful that happens when you take that step and you proclaim that, man, I'm, I am set free by Jesus. Like that old self is dead and now I'm raised to life in that new life. That's baptism in water. And who does that one? Usually a pastor or somebody that you trust or somebody that led you to Christ. That baptism is symbolic of Christ working in your life. And then there's the third baptism that we don't like to talk about a lot. But really, it's, it's an elementary teaching. Paul reminds us, says, come on, let's get past all this stuff like salvation for repentance and the resurrection and the baptism. He goes, all those things are elementary things. Let's get on to the deeper things. But yeah, we get tied up on this one thing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a third baptism. It's one that we can all experience if we're just open to it. It's one that, that we all have, and that's the baptism in fire and the Holy Spirit. Why do we need this baptism? (laughs) Why do we need it? So we will be enabled to do what? To be a witness. To be a witness. Tony Evans, we just bought one of his (laughs) commentaries. And I, I love what he said about this witness and the Holy Spirit. He says, if you're not willing to be a witness for Jesus, why would you even ask for the Holy Spirit to be in your life? 
You're doing it for yourself. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is so we will be a powerful witness. Not just a witness with our words. Not that we would stand up like Peter in front of a thousand people and proclaim the gospel. But that would be a witness with our words, yes, the gospel coming out of our mouth, telling people of the power of Jesus Christ, but also indeed, like my life shifts. Now my life is a message of Jesus Christ. I am a witness for Christ. Peter is a great example of this. Peter is a great example of what happens when when you experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Peter, before Jesus came and baptized all these disciples, what was he? He was rash. He, he, was, uh, he was even, like, foolhardy. He cut this dude's ear off because, you know, he was attacking Jesus. Peter spoke before he thought so many times. They got him in trouble. Jesus even called him Satan. This, this bold, brash Peter, who was even afraid. I mean, he acted all tough, but when push comes to shove, he was scared. When Jesus was arrested, he, he ran away from a servant girl and said, I don't know who Jesus is. He was terrified. But now, this Peter, full of the Spirit, gets up, boldly proclaims the works of God, stands among these thousands of people that had saw Jesus crucified, and many of them were standing in the crowds yelling to crucify Jesus. Glad that it was happening. And now Peter is standing in front of that same crowd that crucified his friend and his, his leader. And he tells them, you need to repent. You need to come to Christ without fear. He was bold now. The fear had left. He was empowered now. He was now all that Christ had told him he would be, the rock. So why wouldn't we want this promise? Why wouldn't we want this promise that, that God says that we can have? Man, we can, live, we can live, give our lives to Christ. I mean, we can give our lives to Christ and we can go to heaven. And that's a great thing. We all want to go to heaven, right? When we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. It's a hymn. <laughs> it's an old song. We all want to go to heaven. And yet so many believers are just good with that. Like, that's good enough for me. I don't, there's really no need for me to get water baptized. There's really no need for me to, to really experience the baptism of the Spirit. It's just... I'm good with this. That's all I want. But if God has so much more for us, then why would we not want to experience that? Why would we not want this power to be a witness to the world? The baptism of the Spirit is meant for us to live in the way that Christ wants us to live, to be a representative to the world around us, to reflect his glory, to give God glory in everything, that our mouths would be shaped by the Spirit of God, that every word we say would bring glory to God. The baptism of the Spirit is so we will be a witness. And the baptism of the Spirit, when you are baptized, when this power source comes in you, 
You're changed forever. You're changed. Because your ministry changes, your witness changes. I am a witness to that myself. I'm going to tell you a story about the box. I was looking for a box this morning, a box of Kleenex, but all the Kleenexes have been taken out because of, oh, there's one. He's hoarding it over there. I'll take a box. Throw me the box. Don't throw it at me. That's what happened. Thank you. And it was a redheaded kid, so I'm having flashbacks. I'm just kidding. Man, I was about probably three or four years in the youth ministry. Yeah, Mark Mark knows this story. I was in about three or four years of youth ministry, and I was sitting right here, like pouring my heart out to these kids, telling them about Jesus. And it was that come to Jesus moment, and they're just kind of sitting around here close to me, and I'm like, hey guys, let's just pray and ask Jesus into our life. And as I, as I started to close in prayer, I'm like, Jesus, Lord, these kids need you. God, I just pray that I start leading them in the Lord's Prayer, and then all of a sudden, something hits me right on my head. I, didn't, I just acted like nothing happened. It's youth ministry. I mean, come on. And I just continue praying, and I'm done. And... Uh, I say, okay, guys, let's thank you all for coming. Let's have a good time. You know, I hug all the kids out and pray for them and all that good stuff and get them out. And I called my wife that night and I said, hey, hon, I got a few things I got to do at the church. I'll, I'll be a little late. And I remember it like it happened yesterday because I was angry when it happened. I wonder why I was not being effective. I wonder why. These kids were not receiving anything that I was saying. And I said, God, what am I even doing? I can't do this anymore. I was at that pivotal moment. I'm like, Can I st- I'm going to step away from ministry. I'm, I'm done. Maybe I'm not called to this. I mean, I love Jesus deeply. I was so happy for what he's done in my life. I was so I just couldn't believe what Christ had done in my life, and I wanted to show other people what Christ could do in their life. And those kids just needed to know Jesus, and I'm like, God, just let them know you so much. God, I just want them to know you and to love you and to find you. And I was trying on my own strength, man. I was praying. I was getting into the Word. I was diving into things. I was Googling every, everything you could find on youth ministry because I wanted to be a good youth pastor. I was watching conferences and I was going to things and trying to learn, doing my best. And here it was, despite my best, the box. That's what I get. It's the equivalent of a, a fruiting, right? A good fruiting. You need a good fruiting. Somebody throwing bananas and fruit at you. It was just utter disrespect. And I said, God, I'm done. It's my last night. It's okay. So I just began to pray and began to cry my heart out to God because I knew deep down inside I didn't want to be done. But I knew I couldn't keep going on like this. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed harder than I've ever prayed before, man. Tears were coming out of my eyes, like streaming out, just just crying out to God. I was so weak in that moment. I said, God, I don't want to be done. You said 
You said in your word that your yoke is easy. Take upon my yoke. It's easy. I said, God, this is not easy. This is not, this feels like I'm doing everything. And nothing is happening. This is not easy. Where's the easy, God? Where's the easy? And so I just start praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. I'm praying. I said, God, I don't want to quit, but God, I can't go on like this. And, and then it's just, just I started praying in my weakness, and I hit the ground, and I was just praying deeply and sobbing deeply. And I said, God, if I'm going to do this, I need you. I can't do this on my own. God, if I'm going to do this, I need your power in my life. God, I need your spirit to enable me to do this because I can't do it on my own. And so I kept praying and I kept praying and then all of a sudden my praying turned into another language and I started praying louder and stronger and a power started dwelling up within me and I started shouting down stuff and I was marching across here like crazy and it's like God had raised me up and said, no, you finally get it, son. It's not about your strength. It's not about your power. It's about me working in you. You're like these people pushing this tractor, thinking it's causing something. You're doing a little bit of good, yeah. But I've already given you a huge motor that I wanted to activate, but you haven't asked for it. And when I asked for it, boom. God started it up. And my, my ministry has never been the same. My life has never been the same. I had a deeper passion for the Word of God. I would open it up, and man, it's like it would come to life, and things that I've, I've seen and read many times would jump out at me and speak to me deeply. My witness changed. My life changed. All because Jesus that day baptized me with his Holy Spirit. Why would we not want that? <laughs> Why would we forfeit it and say, ah, I'm good. I don't need that. I'm happy just doing my Sunday thing. Why would we not want to walk in a new power and a new authority? Why would we not want to walk in that anointing that Jesus promises all people to have? And we can all have that. We just have to ask pretty simple. Jen, if you want to come play something. We just have to ask. Here's what Jesus says about that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. We also find it in Luke. Luke adds a little more clarity to it. He says, keep on asking and you'll receive for what you asked for. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, everyone who asks, receives. Hmm. Everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Come on, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Luke lets us know what this good gift is. Luke in his gospel says, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask. God gives good gifts. He gives salvation. He gives us this infilling of the Holy Spirit through the baptism that Jesus wants to do in us. Jesus can baptize you right now. But first, all you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. You have to want his spirit to dwell within you and to change you and for your life to change. All you have to do is ask. That's all I had to do. But I had to be at a place of hunger and I had to be at a place of desperation that I had to realize that I needed it. And when you get to that place where you realize that you need it, you'll ask for it. And it won't be this God, okay, I need it. Thank you, Lord. Just give it to me because I just need to add something to my collection. You're like, God, I need this because I can't go another day without it. I can't go another day without your spirit in my life, without your, your empowering love moving through me, God, towards other people. I can't go through this day. I don't want to wake up another day without your power in my life. All who ask, receive. So I just want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to ask. Because who does the baptizing? Jesus does. It's not a pastor laying hands on you, even though in Scripture it says the disciples laid hands, and that's important. But Jesus can baptize you right there. I don't have to lay hands on you. He's the one that baptizes. He's the one that brings the Spirit. Nothing I do. Nobody laid their hands on me. You just have to want it. You have to seek it. Seek it, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Who's the door? Jesus is the door. And he's sitting there, not with a box of Kleenex, but with a gift, saying, this is the Spirit. I want, I want you to have the Spirit in your life so that you can be my witnesses. This world needs a church full of witnesses. This world needs a church on fire and ablaze with the Holy Spirit, passion inside of their heart to change this world. And I pray that this church, this local body, is set afire with the Holy Spirit and that we change this community and this world. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do. So I just want us to close our eyes. And we're going to seek. We're going to knock. And we're going to ask. Father God, thank you, Jesus, for your cross. Thank you, Lord, that you saved me. Thank you that you bought me. Thank you that you paid my price for redemption. God, that I am saved and set free by the power of the cross that your blood has washed over me. Thank you, God, for your salvation. It's a free gift, and I accept it fully. Now, Lord, I pray that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit, to be a witness. What we're asking now, 
You need to ask, not me. I don't need to be praying this. You do. Ask for the Spirit. Ask for the baptism in the Spirit right now to come alive in your heart. 